Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business, entrepreneurship, and marketing to help you harness your inner tenacity to drive your career forward. I'm excited to welcome my guest today, Bobby Soper, the international president at Mohegan Gaming and Entertainment, MGE for short. He has had an illustrious career filled with tons of learnings that I'm confident that you will gain a ton from. So let's jump in and get things going. Bobby, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Adam. Uh, pleasure to be here. Awesome, good stuff, and and you've had a really interesting career. But let's let's hit this rewind button. Law school down in Georgia. Did you always want to be a lawyer? I always my my wife's an attorney, and it's always one of those questions that she really can't put her finger on. But why why law? No, Adam, uh, good question. So the answer is no. Uh, that's the simple answer. Uh, going through uh, school, especially undergraduate school, um, I was focused on investment banking. I loved the finance world. Uh, I was an economics major with a BBA and, and sort, you know, sort of uh, looked at various alternatives. And uh, I got to know one of the professors who was actually an attorney himself in securities law, really uh, caught on to what he was doing, what the opportunity was. Uh, enjoyed, you know, studying, you know, business law. And then I decided, look, let's, let's give it a go. Stay at the University of Georgia. They gave me a scholarship to go to law school. And, uh, you know, uh, from there, uh, it was uh, law. And and was it ever a question of what kind of law? I mean, was it always business law? You never wanted to do trial and any of that criminal stuff? Yeah. No, it, it, I, I did know that, right? Uh, I knew I was either going to go uh, into investment banking or law and focus on securities law. I uh, always wanted to be a transactional attorney, wasn't interested in being in the courtroom. That, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And the, the idea of working in the gaming industry, when did that first kind of come across, across your mind? You know, it, it never was my intent. And, um, you know, uh, long story short, I'm actually a member of the Mohegan tribe, right? The, the, the last of the Mohegans, the Mohegan tribe out of Connecticut. Uh, my parents grew up near the reservation. My great-great-grandfather was a very influential chief for the tribe. And um, they moved down to Atlanta uh, right before I was born, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. And, but I, I visited the Northeast, the tribe, for, for many years. My cousin, who was a manager of the tribe when the tribe launched its casino, asked me to come up there after I graduated from law school and said, look, why don't you give this a try? And, uh, you know, even though I was just got barred in Georgia, was going to be a securities lawyer actually in, in Atlanta, you know, I fell in love with the casino environment. And so uh, packed up everything, got married and moved to Connecticut and started uh, as in-house counsel for the Mohegan tribe. So let's, so let's talk about, you know, being part of the being part of the tribe. I'm part of a different tribe, but you're part of the, 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 the real the real tribe. Um, 
how much of an influence was was that on you you know you know growing up the the traditions and the culture and and the importance of the continuation and and growth and support of the Mohegan tribe yeah look i, I i'm very fortunate because um you know there is a long history with mohegans and and um you know understanding that culture being able to participate in, in the powwows each year, having family very involved in the federal recognition process as I grew up, I, I got to learn a lot, right? And and those lessons, uh, you know, bode well for the future. And one of the one of the uh, you know I think important traits of Mohegans is in the history is um, as a tribe, you know, the relationships have always been important with the community, with the government, and the private sector. Right. Uh, and I learned that from the tribe. And so uh, I think that helped me uh, in my own career. Do you remember, I know, let's go, go a little far back. I mean, what's one of the, the, the traditions of the Mohegan tribe culturally that, that really truly resonates with you the most? Yeah, look, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot, right? I, you know, I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is necessarily a, a tradition as much. There's a lot of specific traditions that are ceremonial in nature, um, you know, uh, but I think it really is that um, uh, abiding by one's word, right? So the Mohegans, whether it's in business, whether it's in government, when they face challenges, um, we, we, don't, we don't run away from those challenges, right? Uh, we live up to those challenges, um, you know, even in the bad times. And a real quick example, in 2008, when the economy Please. fell off the cliff, um, you know, many organizations in the gaming world, for example, uh, were, you know, defaulting on their debt and, and running away, right? Uh, we took it on, uh, you know, we, we took it in the chin, um, you know, refinance incurred, a, you know, a lot more expensive debt, right? Which we didn't have to at the time. Uh, but what we didn't, we never wanted to run away from those obligations. And I think, uh, you know, in the in, in the finance world, uh, we're you know we're respected for that, right? And and I think that's just really in our DNA, and it has been in our DNA for you know hundreds of years. So you've been with this, you've been with the organization on and off for twenty plus years, right? I mean, it's a it's a pretty impressive tenure, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But let's go back, you know, when when you when you first started, you're coming out of law school, you get involved in the gaming industry. What was one of those early tough lessons that you uh, you had to learn the hard way? Oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot, right? <laughs> uh, there, there's a lot. Um, look, I was very fortunate because I got thrown in the fire. I had some great mentors, uh, you know, um, and and I, I would say probably, um, you know, and and I use this as an example already. A lot of us learn this, but uh, I think in 2008, right, where everybody's riding high. You can't screw up. You know, business is incredible. Um, life is good. You know, and life is good. Uh, and and we all give ourselves credit. Like we're the ones creating. You know, uh, you know all the success. And and you know, y you got sucker punched, right? And and realize you're bloated with with uh, labor. Uh, you're inefficient. Um, and it was a, it was an awakening, I think, you know, certainly for myself as a as a leader in the organization, but across the industry, uh, we saw that, and that I'll never forget that lesson, and and you know, uh, hopefully, uh, it won't repeat itself. Huh, we, we we shall see. So, get, getting back to your career journey, you were with the organization for for a long time. In 2017, um, 
you took a step down. What what led up to that? And you know, I want to talk about how it, how you've come full circle to return to the organization. Yeah, look, I, I think uh, first of all, again, I, I've been so fortunate to work in my family's organization, uh, starting as legal counsel, and then you know, uh, I, I ended up in 2017 finishing my tenure as CEO of the of the company, and achieved you know everything I, I wanted to achieve, including growing the company internationally. Um, and you know, there, I think there were some uh, differences of opinion, you know, for, you know, from a, a board perspective. I, you know, always had this sort of uh, entrepreneurial blood in me, and I was able to innovate all those years with a great team, uh, surround myself with great people. So, was, and so at that point, um, it just made sense for me uh, to work for myself, right, as an owner of of my own uh, projects, of my own initiatives, which which you know I've been doing for four years, and um, you know I'm glad, right? Uh, it's it's to really. To learn more, I needed to learn more in a different sphere, uh, and that really was the catalyst for me to, to get out of the corporate world, if you will. And, and how have you brought both pieces back together under one umbrella? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Look, I have a number of great projects. Um, I'm an owner, board member, strategic partner on, um, you know, not only in the gaming space, some of it in the gaming space, but in uh, green energy, and I'm I'm part of a team building a micro steel mill, but the, the chairman and vice chairman oh, of cool. Mohegan, uh, you know, came back, uh, asked me and wondering if I would go back. And I said, look, I, I'm not interested in being, uh, you know, a CEO again of a corporate, uh, you know, entity. Um, but um, look, uh, I, I, I'm uh, very passionate about our international projects, uh, struggling a little bit on the financing side with our project in Korea. And so I'm, you know, happy to uh, assist in that way. Uh, and so they brought me on as international president, which I serve today. It doesn't exclude me from from pursuing these other projects and, and you know, sustaining these other projects. It keeps, keeps open. me open, uh, but um, it's also an opportunity to help 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 the tribe again. Curious question here: what's your what's your favorite Vegas casino gambling movie? Oh, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I, I would probably say Casino. <laughs> it's yeah. a classic and uh yeah. you know uh uh you know has a lot of history that that uh is you know relevant i mean there's scenes in there uh you know just manual surveillance from the sky right you know it's true right, right? i mean there's a lot of uh, glamour a lot of hollywood in it but uh it's 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 right. it's probably my favorite classic what's what I mean is as best you could share. Like share with us just one absolutely crazy on the floor casino story that you that you witnessed firsthand. I mean, there are so many. Um, I, yeah, give us give us a give us one of give us one yeah. of your party favorites yeah, that you I'll love to say share. This, and this is uh, um, you know probably the most remarkable when you look at just just you know we'll call it odds. Uh, we had one player, um, a social worker, right? Uh, probably made thirty thirty five thousand dollars a year, right? And this goes back a ways. And, you know, started on a, right. you know, I think it was a $25 blackjack table, right? Um, and then, you know, uh, fast forward over the next 72 hours, they bankrolled of very little money, probably $500 or $250 into something that became seven digits, right? Literally a million dollars. Yeah. It, the odds, pure, pure luck. Pure luck. And strategy yeah. play or not, you know, but no card counting, none of that funny stuff. Well, I was, I was about I was about to say the eye in the sky watches us all. You had at one point you have to be like, all right, let's see if there's someone looking, counting, like what's going on yeah. here. Yeah, and, and 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 the lesson here is this: for that individual to get to that point, like 
you know, someone making that money, why not stop at 50,000? Not why not stop at 100,000? And it was just in their, it was in their brain. They were wired that way. And unfortunately, by the way, you know, that million got turned down to 750, a half a million. Our, our pit manager said, look, why don't you just take a break? We'll put you in a suite. And, and, and they didn't, right? And the lesson here is, look, humans are wired differently. The same reason he didn't stop at 50, 100, 500 is the same reason he didn't stop when he was going down, right? Um, and that's just, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a story I share, especially with those that are on a lucky roll that like, you know, you know, call it a day, right? As you said, call it a day. Uh, you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to that's fold exactly them. Right. The great Kenny Rogers, right? I mean, it's 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 a tough one, but let, but let's but let's talk about the flip side of that. There's there's, I mean, gambling, hardcore gambling is an addiction. Um, how much, how hard is it for you to separate the business side of gambling and gaming versus seeing a lot of yeah. the, the hurt, and what it's done to yeah. people and families and relationships. Yeah, how, look, how does, how does I, I know me personally and that? and most in the gaming industry, uh, and 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 certainly our organization. We don't want problem gamblers, right? It's not good for them. It's not good for us. There's nothing good to be uh, said about it, right? So that's number one. Number two, look, it it is tough. Uh, What we know, uh, you know, all mainstream research shows, you know, one to three percent have some sort, some degree of compulsive gambling, right? Which, by the way, is a lot less. And it's it's not to be defensive, but it's a lot less than you know other addictions, right? Like alcoholism and drug addiction, which um, you know uh, approaches double digits, right? Um, but it is very, very traumatic, right? Uh, serious compulsive gambling, which is probably a half to one percent, um, can destroy a life, right? It's it's a vicious cycle. And by the way. Yeah. Almost uh, overwhelming majority of the time, if you have a, a, an addiction in gambling, you have other addictions as well. It's sort of uh, it is part it, of it's part of an addictive personality. And, and we correct. do everything. We train, uh, you know, to look for it. We we do everything we can when we do detect someone that has a problem to to get them help, right? But ultimately, it's going to be up to them. It's 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 a, it's, a, it's a tough one. Uh, it's a tough one, and you do what you can to mitigate it. It is. Uh, absolutely. So let's get back to the power of relationships. And um, I've heard you talk about this in many of your interviews. I'd love if you could break down what relationships enable you to do specifically in the gaming and entertainment space yeah. and well, why like, they're so one, crucial for an operator. Is about relationships, right? Taking care of people. And then your most, your most uh, well, I won't say important, but your most profitable customers, the ones that, that contribute the most, uh, are the ones that you, you literally have to have personal relationships with, right? Um, and so that's number one. Two, just whether it's this industry or other industries, that's how things get done, right? And I've spent a lot of time in Asia recently where it's even more important, where face-to-face, Zoom doesn't work, right? Or or Teams meetings, uh, what we're doing doesn't work, right? You've got to be in a room with them, which is even more challenging during COVID, right? Um, And, and, you know, I I would say this, that's how deals get done or don't get done. They've got to be. They've got to be uh, good ideas. They've got to have great business Agreed. models around them. They've got to be executed well. But none of it happens without relationships. Relationships with customers. Relationships with vendors. Relationships with the government. You know, and 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 at the end of the day, a lot of 100%. people talk about it. No, no one denies that, but not a lot of people really uh, truly execute are sincere about it, right? And that's the competitive advantage, right? 
from my perspective. You, you, you really hit the nail on the head there. So let's let's talk a little bit about those nuances. I mean, they're more than nuances. I mean, cultural nuances, uh, international expansion. What it, like thirty thousand foot view, Bobby? If you could share with us, what what's the core? difference what are the challenges of building operating and expanding a gaming operation overseas specifically in asia where it's tremendous i mean talk about macau i mean it's a freaking island built on gaming um versus yeah. in the states well I mean, what are you're not on your home turf, challenges and right and so you're subject to you know any volatility in, in government right um you're subject to their rules the, the you know and not only rules that are in writing that emanate from the government, but you know the rules of culture, right? And so uh, you you know you, you have to be careful not to misstep. Um, I think it's essentially important, and this goes back to relationships. You have to have partners on the ground there. You can't come in from the west beating your chest. You know, uh, you know we're a successful gaming company. We've done this. We know what we're doing. Let us show you how it's done. That mentality will kill you. Right. There's a graveyard of businesses in Korea, for example, that took that approach, uh, very successful in the Western Hemisphere and just could not do it uh, in in Asia and in Korea. And so uh, it's so important to have those local relationships and humility. Right. Humility is so important there. Yeah, let's 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 talk about humility. Um, I I think there's a tremendous lack of it in a lot of the work that I see, where people just can't just be truthful and they just can't be genuine in themselves. How how yeah. do you take that approach in doing business overseas in the humility? Yeah, look again. I, I or is that something that's just always been part of your mo? To the genes, but partly to the to the tribe, right? You know, um, and my mentors, right? It, it is. Our, our core values are all values. about that, right? right. Values, it's about, Bobby. It's, about, it's all driven by those relationships. Um, and, uh, and so I'm very fortunate because if I didn't have the right mentorship and, and you know, surround myself with those people, I'm not sure how I would have turned out. So you know, we're, we're all impressionable, especially when we're young in our careers, and I was fortunate to have the right guidance. Um, I, you know, as it relates to, you know, ensuring that you can develop those and sustain those relationships, it, it, a lot of it's communication and humility, a lot of it's communication, listening, right? Um, you know, especially in, in Asia, Korea, you know, listening to what they say first, you know, and, and, and consuming, you know, what they're saying. And, and you know, uh, when, when, when prodded to provide input, you, you do that, right? But uh, I think they have to know that you respect them, right? Um, and and that comes with listening. That comes with communication. That and 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 basically following their cultural rules, right? You don't have to, but 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 and, they and know. And I think correct me if I'm wrong, because you come from such a strong tribal culture background that it was almost natural for you when you went overseas to understand that you have to be part of their customs, you have to learn their customs, you have to respect their customs. And you mentioned something really interesting, and I, and I kind of believe in this too, that vision, the values inform vision. How, you know, with, with MGE and your own company, Sun Gaming and Hospitality, how do you create a strong sense of vision for these larger scale projects and, and operations? Yeah, look, I, I, you're right. Your values uh, ultimately, um, you know, are gonna dictate 
what ultimately you're going to create, what, what is you're going to create. And so, for example, in Connecticut, we're very proud. It's one of the most successful casinos in the world at Mulligan Sun. Um, it's a beautiful facility, right? David Rockwell did an incredible job designing it. Um, it's an incredible experience. The programming right. is exciting. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you enter those front doors as a, as a guest, it's how you're treated, right? Um, and um, so it's a combination of, of you know, of uh, what you want people to feel. And we always say, when you enter those doors, you want to be in a different world. You want to get out of your day-to-day, you know, uh, um, you know activities, uh, the stress of the world, and feel like you're in a different place, even though you, you didn't have to get on a plane right. to do it, right? And so, you know, um, that's how we want to make people happy, and we know we have to design, build, program something, create an experience, and deliver a guest service experience that that allows us to do that to make people happy yeah. right um again driven by relationships it's it's, it's funny how it all it, comes it, it, it all it all certainly comes back to that um interesting let's let's talk about present times let's talk about COVID, how it's affected gaming and, and hospitality uh it hit us like a ton of bricks tell us how you felt let's let's rewind it back to march 2020 first and foremost considering the Considering that you do a ton of business in Asia, and I assume you were traveling at the time, you probably had a heads up more than most people. Talk to us a little bit about that and, and how it affected uh, your industry and specifically your properties. Yeah, that's a good question. I was actually not in Asia at the time it hit. I was in Europe uh, and got back very quickly. Um, I think if you rewind at, to that time, I don't think any of us thought that it was going to be uh, where we're at today. We're still in it, right? Mm-hmm. We thought, look, you know, uh, vaccine comes out, we'll uh, be out of it by next close. year, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but but we we it just changed everything, our whole mindset. Um, uh, I think um, there is a big difference, uh, you know, from our operations versus we'll call it a Vegas or a Macau, in the sense that if you can get in a car uh, and drive to it we're in a much better situation. So we've been able to weather that storm uh, very well. That's a very, um, that's a very good point. I, I would assume that the majority of the business at Mohegan is, is driving versus flying. A- absolutely, right? Now, initially, everybody's scared. We didn't have protocols in place. No one knew how to deal with it. And then over time, people got more comfortable. They understood social distancing. They understand now we have the vaccines for those that uh, you know, get the vaccine. Um, and so we're in a we're operating in a different environment, but we're used to it now. It's unfortunate we're used to it now, but we're used to it now. And so we've done very well. It is a lot more challenging uh, for those that are driven by meeting, you know, mice business, uh, you know, a large scale event business, you know. Yeah, from, yeah. And we're still I mean, we were operating, uh, but but, you know, it. It, we still haven't completely rebounded uh, in those elements, right? I mean, I was about to say that has to be a huge hit. The meeting and event space. I mean, I know firsthand. I've been to I've been to uh, a number of of events in in both Foxwoods and Mohegan in, in that in that area up there. How big of a hit has that specifically been uh, for the properties up there? Yeah, we're starting to crawl out of it, but it, clearly, you know, a major hit, right? Uh, we have. Uh, you know, prominent business uh, businesses that come in a, a lot of meetings, right? And and those yeah, just haven't happened. Uh, they, you know, they're start it's again. Tough. They're starting to come back now because we're living. We we're all used to living in this world, but it, it's had a it's had and, a tremendous impact. And and those and those and those are big spenders too. But let's talk about some of the silver linings here. You know, coming out of the pandemic, coming out of any 
we'll call it a disaster, negative events that happened, there are those silver linings. What have been what have been some of those key learnings and innovations that you guys are applying moving forward? Yeah, you know, outside of we'll call it health and safety protocols and standards, right? Which Fair. a lot of them are going to be permanent. Much, much cleaner. Yeah, much cleaner. Much, and they're going to be... We're all being much cleaner. That's true. And, and chips are dirty too, right? I mean, <laughs> chips are... You got to be mindful of that, yeah. right? Well, I'll tell you what. There's technology that's been created around that where they're... A lot of the UV, right? UV light they're using, I that's believe. That's a great example, mm -hmm. right? Air systems. So a lot of the, the, the safety health uh, technologies come out. But a lot of it right. also mobile, right? Like there's been this huge uh, progression of online sports wagering uh, and now in Connecticut for example online wagering and we're finding ways to connect the dots between those that will play online and those that want the land-based experience um, and and I think that has uh, really exponentially progressed because of COVID. Interesting too, and, and as much as you're open to commenting, let's talk about some some public news here. I'm in the great state of New York. We have a uh, a new a new governor that that has stepped in. What is what is your outlook on the current future the the future of gaming in New York State with the new regime? Yeah, well, look, I think the big talk is the online, right? Uh, that's been debated a lot. There's always the question about whether you know uh, New York City. It's going to have table games, going to have new resorts outside, which already uh, existing in Queens and 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 the Bronx. But um, Long Island. Yeah. yeah um, uh, but I, I think really the hot topic is online. I think, look, it's inevitable. Um, you know, every, every uh, prognosticator has their own handicap on this. But I, I, I think in the next year or two, you're going to see online gaming launched in New York. I know, but it's it's such a difference. Like we, my wife and I, we're not big gamblers, but we do enjoy it occasionally. We love sitting down at a blackjack table and yeah. having that experience. It's fun. Yeah, it's invigorating, and we always talk about knowing what you could afford to lose. Yeah. And you go in if you go in with that mindset, uh, and and you just have a, a good time of it. So I hope it certainly comes back there. I want to shift the, the conversation and talk a little bit about uh, you personally and your motivators there. And I read an interview uh, with your alma mater that uh, the book Built to Sell by Jim Collins is one of your most frequently referenced books. What is it about that book that you feel the need to, to revisit frequently and so often and, and those really key feelings and learnings that you get from yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Built to Last is a classic. It's something that we've all, um, you know, as an organization focused on. I think there's so many takeaways, but the, the, the key is this. You're going to live by a certain uh, uh, core, a set of core values, right? It's so important in every decision, whether it's a small decision or a major decision, that you don't deviate from those core values. If you and you got to truly believe them. And by the way, everyone in the organization does. They have to be accountable. And maybe there's not a right fit. And if there's not a right fit, those people cannot be a part of the organization. And that sounds kind of cruel, but at the end of the day, that's the glue. That's who you are. And by the way, our core values emanate hundreds of years from the tribe. And so you cannot deviate from those in any of your, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, elements of the organization, right? Um, and so that, I think, is the key takeaway. I mean, there's a lot of other things, but that's the key takeaway. Really interesting. And let's, let's bring it home here. I mean, you've had uh, quite quite the career, and, and the career is still ongoing. And who who... Who would you say has been the most important mentor for you professionally? Yeah, uh, so again, I, I, I was very fortunate when I was young, transitioning from a general counsel 
into an executive in operations and then ultimately a CEO and and, and property CEO uh, in, in, in the corporate world. Um, my first boss, if you will, in the operations was a gentleman named Bill Villardo. He's, he's now deceased, just an incredible guy. In, a, in the gaming industry where you have the Trumps and the Steve Wins and all the, the, the Sheldon Adelsons, there's a lot of ego out there, right? You know, there's a lot of oh, yeah. ego out there, and you can fall into that trap. Um, I was very fortunate to have someone who was super successful. This is a guy that worked directly for Steve Wynn in, in Vegas and directly for Donald Trump in Atlantic City. Very few have ever done that. And yet such a humble man, uh, someone who told me, taught me the value by living it of what leadership's about. It is about humility. humility. It's about relationships. It's about respect, a respect of not only those team members that report to you, but those, those vendors, those, all the people you work with all the time. And I saw that day to day, and I'm glad. I, I'm not sure how it would have turned out if I didn't have someone who mentored me in that way. And so I've always been super appreciative of, of having a leader uh, like that uh, in my very early stages of the career. I love it. And, 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 and flipping that back around now, talk to us a little bit about how you mentor others in your world right now. Yeah, look, I, I uh, you know, I, I that's my favorite thing to do. So I still have, uh, uh, you know, conversations on a weekly basis with some of the folks that uh, some of my team, you know, I'm di- even at different properties, different locations, who who grew within the organization and, and became CEOs and and leaders in the organization. Um, uh, it, it, to me, my uh, how I measure my success is based on the success of those that worked with me, awesome. right? There's no greater gratification. And so um, uh, when I talk to them, you know, we have those conversations. How are the team members that you're mentoring doing, right? And so uh, for, for me, um, you know, continuing those conversations and those relationships, getting to see them in person in these events, and then also in my own world, right? Uh, as we build companies, right, doing the same thing again, right? To me, there's just no greater feeling, no greater measurement of success. Oh, I love it. That, that's tremendous there. And Bobby, what is, what is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day? It could be a mantra. It could be one of these things that you repeat when you're out the door in the morning. It could be one of those things when you, when you turn on your computer and you're answering your first emails. What is that piece of advice that you take with you every single day? Um, that, uh, I, I, it, to me, um, is, is focus on relationships, focus on relationships yeah. and, and especially when you don't have to, right. When, when you don't need a favor, when times are tough with someone, right. And, and, and things aren't going, that's when relationships matter the most. The word that stands out to me that's been resonating with me the last couple of years, and I talk about this a lot, Bobby, is the word invaluable. And I think you just described the definition of the word invaluable. Being there to provide value to somebody without asking for something in return, without having a, a handout, just being there to, to facilitate, to build, to foster that relationship. And Bobby, last but not least, you know, you look back on, on your life and career and you've been through it. You've been through the ringer. You've seen the best. You've seen the worst of times. You've been through... Uh, you know, economic downfall, disasters, pandemics, building, rebuilding. And in those moments when you had to pull yourself up and pull yourself up from a business perspective, from a personal perspective, and harness that inner tenacity that all great leaders like yourself have, 
And on the flip side of that, today you're 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 sitting on this business that you've built, this world. You know, you're still close to the to the tribe and ensuring all those values. How do you stay focused? What is your compass, Bobby Soper? What is your north star? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, for, for me, it's it's always um, it's always ensuring that each day that the core values that are important to me that I'm living by every decision I make, you know, and again, this is something that is not only in the DNA, but it's something that I'm very fortunate to be part of a family that has always believed in that, that every decision I make every day, I do not deviate from those core values, no matter how tough or challenging it is. Good stuff. Bobby, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Where could they learn more? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. And then, uh, you know, anybody want to email me, bsoper at sun-gh.com. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll see how many people uh, start to flood your inbox there. But Bobby, hang with me one second here as I sign sure. off here. Uh, I really hope that everyone listening really learned a thing or two. Bobby's had a great career, tons of learnings, uh, really truly understanding how values values from a, a real true tribe and your tribe doesn't have to be uh the the mohegans your tribe could be your family your people around you your friends your colleagues but how do you really ensure that you stick to your values because i say it all the time your how how you go about life your how is sometimes more important than your why how you do things and i want everyone to really think about you know how you live every day and living up to those values Guys, if you love this episode, please share it. It goes a long way. And you know where to find us all at thepodcast.com across all the social media channels. Thank you, everyone listening. Take care of each other. I guess we still have to stay six feet apart. But uh, look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode of The Podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon jam-packed with more incredible humans thank you for listening subscribing and sharing to join the conversation search the podcast on linkedin and to catch up on past episodes and more info please visit www.thepausecast.com